then it's on the internet. But no, it wasn't on the there internet. Are- it was in the cloud. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode number 199 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the smell of fall is in the air. And by that, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of lead. And from the smoker, I mean, America's left coast, where the sunlight is brown and breathing is not fun anymore. I'm Ryan Bemrose. You got fires going on there again. We or, have uh, got the, the we have got the smell of fall going on here. I posted is, a picture to NAS this morning of what it looked like outside. Normally, I have a beautiful view of the mountains. I can't see my neighbor's house through all the smoke right now. Yeah, you get that every now and then, and that's concerning. It it it's a little concerning for the purpose of you know breathing my asthma, yeah. my, my ability to breathe. Yeah. So if I do a lot of coughing, it's because I fail at the mute button. But at least, you know, I don't want to phone boy this. So you're going to get some coughing. Did the fans in your area, do they go nuts or anything when the the baseball team got swept? They were so happy to get into the postseason. (laughs) And then they were very quickly gone from the postseason. That that was pretty amazing. In fact, uh, one of my favorite stories from before that was uh, a proclamation from uh, God Emperor Jay fucking Inslee, who decided to be tone deaf and douchey at the same time and said, you know, whereas the Mariners have not gone to the playoffs since 2001, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I decree that the Washington state fairies will all be renamed for current Mariners players. What are, oh, oh, okay. So there's like boats. I thought for a minute, he was talking no, about no, no, not not the ones in Pioneer Square. No, not the ones in <laughs> Seattle. The 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 what you know? There's a, a fairly large inland sea very near here, and there's a very extensive ferry system that crosses it. And I think there's something like 22 ferries across 10 routes that go back and forth all the time. It's been, I mean, the the system's been running forever, and the boats currently are all named for uh, mostly Native American tribes and places. Oh, well, that seems kind of a, to be appropriating. But yeah, I mean, they've got uh, like, Kamiak, Walla Walla, Spokane, uh, um, Kamilchuk, all of them Native American names, some of which are very hard to pronounce, but that's the way they've always been. Now, it, way back in the day when they were christening all the boats and people were like, well, how come you... How come that culture and not ours? But that was before cultural appropriation was a word. So people just put up with it. Now, Inslee has decided, hey, let's go ahead and rename all the boats. Because, of course, as any mariner knows, like the the type of mariner who is marine on the ocean, there's nothing that could go wrong when you rename a boat, right? A seafaring mariner. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) Well, you don't want your name tied to. A boat that you know maybe sinks with a bunch of people on it or 
it's late or you're mad or. So, yeah, for people who who didn't uh, don't follow MLB playoffs the way that, uh, well, the way that I do, uh, which is uh, almost none. Same. But I did watch this one. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, last uh, was it Saturday was the first MLB playoff game in Seattle in 21 years. And the last for at least another year. Say, yeah, that was because yeah. Houston had the home field advantage. It was a best of five series and they took the first two games at, in Houston. Then they came to Seattle and took that one. But that was an epic game. And I have to just talk about it for a moment because well, it went long. I have told you my favorite kind of baseball. I don't like the the home run slugging games where you know every batter that comes up hits a home run and it's really just a matter of who gets the last home run that's the winner it's a no the baseball i have always liked is the defensive struggle where the pitchers have to work to place every single pitch and the the match it, it where every single time the ball is thrown that could be the game because you don't know if it, it, it i want the i like the low scoring ones well i really enjoyed this game on saturday we went into the 18th inning with a score of zero to zero. That's a lot of bonus baseball. And, and the final score after 18 innings was one nothing. So I liked the game. I, can, I am a Seattle Mariners fan when they're winning, and I'm not a Seattle Mariners fan when they're losing. And you can complain to me, and the, you know, the phrase fair weather comes out all the time. I don't care. I like to watch a team that's winning. And also, I have no financial investment in the team. I don't play on the team. It's not my team. Wait. I just happen to be a person who lives in the city near them. So the MLB mind control isn't working. I thought everybody must gamble. Everybody must well, lay a bet down. He must parlay something. No, that's that's just the people at the top in MLB. Those are the ones who are gambling the most. Uh, well, that's true. And all the commercials are gamble, gamble, gamble. So my favorite headline uh, about this particular MLB series where Seattle entered the playoffs and then, you know, left was uh, Houston Astros sweep AL division series three games to none in four games. <laughs> well, I mean, you played enough to be four 18 games. innings. That's two games. <laughs> yeah. Somebody will look at that and be like, somebody made a mistake. And you're like, no, somebody was trying to be cute. And uh, I thought it was cute. Now, if you have those ticket stubs, they'll be worth something. That's the uh, if you can find a paper ticket, which is harder and harder and harder to do. It's all got to be digital. But they don't want to sink the ferries now. So are they going to rename the ferries? Or, or I have no idea if that's actually going to happen. Because I'm like, is this one game? And I can't even tell done? if Inslee was trolling on that one or not. It definitely was on his official stationery. But I don't know if that's going to go through or if he reversed it. Like, we have so much pride in this Seattle team for getting it, to the postseason. And then it's like, and not winning a game. Oh, I, I feel like the the right move is to go ahead and say, you know, I was just kidding. We didn't do, actually do that. I don't know if Inslee's capable of the right move or not. We'll find out. Like, too late. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got caught into watching a couple innings. The game that the Indians beat the Yankees. And that was fun. Because as much as I hate MLB right now, I hate the Yankees more. So it was fun seeing the young team get to to force the game five, you know, to make it go five games. But then, of course, they got their asses whooped. But the main difference between the Yankees and the Indians 
is like 180 million in yeah, I was gonna salary. say is their payroll. Yeah. I'm like, I love it when you have a team that's coming in and the Indians were coming in at like 62 million and the Yankees were coming in at like 220 or something like that. And the Dodgers, I mean, the Dodgers are like 260 million. There's money well spent. <laughs> you know, so Seattle feels bad, but then point at the Dodgers and go same place, different payroll. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> same place. They're both in California. Pretty much. It's well, the whole West Coast that's got to go. I, yeah, I, I despise the MLB for reasons that have definitely been mentioned on this show and on your show, Random Thoughts, but it's hard not to like watching a good baseball game. A good pitcher's duel, I'm with you. That has always been my, I mean, it's fun when somebody wins in the bottom of the ninth on a home run. Pitcher's duel. Yeah. It wasn't just a pitcher's duel. In this game, the, both bullpens were empty. They were there were spiderwebs growing on the mound. <laughs> that's a, that's the intriguing thing in baseball when it gets down to the point to where it's like, yeah, we got nobody left. Now, yeah, now we're, we're, <laughs> we've got a we've got our backup first baseman who we might be able to put in get, get him warming up. That's not what you want in a playoff game. I was at a it was a very very hot afternoon, which is maybe one of the reasons this happened but i saw randy johnson and he was not you know a at the very tail end of his career at this point it was in 2005 when the white Sox ended up going on to win the world series and it was interesting because we were looking through a bunch of ticket stubs because well there's a lot of ticket stubs that are worth way more money than you would believe but my wife was going through the games that we actually went to during the 2005 season, she's like, pulls out the first pair and she's like, now they lost the next pair. They lost the next pair. They lost. Like, did we go to any games where they won during 2005, the year they won the, the championship, but there was a pair of tickets and we were at a game where Randy Johnson gave up back to back to back home runs to the White Sox. And then like three batters later gave up a two run home run to like their backup catcher isn't that about the time that you maybe think about going to the bullpen? Yeah, I think so, but it was Randy fucking Johnson. So that was like, um, what's going on with this guy? I'm, yeah. I've, I've been trying to figure out there's, st- there are so the, the only person to murder an animal live during a MLB game. <laughs> hey, you can't find the animal. So you can't prove it happened. <laughs> Disintegrated baby. Just a bird <laughs> flying into the path of a fastball. It's like one, what are the odds those two things are going to happen at the same time that you're going to be in the exact space at the, well, sharing the same space at the same time at that point. You know, I never heard whether that was called a ball or a strike. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sure the batter was like, holy shit. What was that? That's not and good. Did he swing? I don't remember. I mean, really once, once the, uh, the <laughs> bird just pretty much um, disintegrated, I think everybody in the general area was like, what? the hell was that i mean it was freaky a couple of weeks ago the wife and i were driving in a seagull kind of thing which i guess maybe they're migrating uh while we were driving just like dive bombed the car and went off the windshield it was like the only time i've ever seen a bird hit the windshield of a car too so i don't i don't know why or how that happened i've seen that happen and let me tell you it's a little bit less traumatic than a deer (laughs) yes yeah, the car keeps going at a much and, greater clip after the bird. And and I don't live far enough north for there to be moose on the roadway. Well, that's but good. I'm told from people that I know in that vicinity that, that you know, deer, 
your car is still drivable afterward. Moose, not so much. The moose just kind of like looks at your car like, fuck you. Uh, you, you know, they, a, a, a car moving at a decent clip, especially if the car is made out of metal, which is becoming rare these days, um, will screw up that moose's day. It'll break its legs. It'll, the thing will just sit there rolling over. It'll be on the ground going, ow, ow, and probably will not survive with all broken legs. But that's nothing compared to the amount of carnage that goes on inside the car, especially when you get a, a, an animal that is tall enough that the hood of the car, you know, all your crumple zones, yeah, take yes. out its legs. Yeah. And now the rest of the car just becomes a meat projectile <laughs> going right over the hood and into the windshield. People are like, we didn't sign up for this conversation. No, I didn't either. But I'm <laughs> a little punchy because I can't breathe. Yeah, that's you want to go to tech. There's a lot of smoke out there, but I just want to. There's got to be a good database out there because I'm like, I can't believe it. Any other time in his career, Randy Johnson gave up three home runs in a row. But I'm like, there has to be a database to look all this crazy stuff up. And I know I'm, there's I'm a couple of there online because, ones. Because you know that, you know, the, the commentators are not remembering all of these completely stats like this is actually only the third time since right. 1932 that a third baseman has come up with a two and three count and hit a, a pop fly into the left field stands that was rejected by a fan wearing a red beanie. Like they have stats like that all the time. There's got to be a database. It's when they pull out completely improbable crap like that is when I sit here and go, I'm so glad I don't follow baseball statistics. I just want to watch the game. Oh, I know it's gotten so much worse. I don't like, I understand why they take the information down and follow like the, the speed at which it leaves the bat, but they've gotten way too much into the analytics of everything going on and not into the overall reasoning behind the game and why it's being played the way it is. It's way more exciting, I guess, to be like, Hey, that left the bat at 130 miles an hour. Well, I mean, the shortstop caught it and it was an out, but it left the bat at 130 miles an hour. <laughs> Money ball. Yeah. Or lack if of balls. Well, no, it, it, that's the name of a movie. I, uh, yeah, I, I think the, it was a Brad Pitt movie. That well, yeah, I kind of. I don't remember who was in it, but it kind of described the shift of how baseball went from scouts and stars to uh, everybody overanalyzing every single piece of statistics they could find for the purpose of creating a statistically ideal team. Well, yeah, that was the Oakland A's. That's how they were so successful with such a, a low payroll for so long. You, oh, that's right. The film was actually based on something real. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was reality. And there was a book and it was the same guy that wrote some statistics books. Um, Tony's Lewis or something. I forget the uh, the guy's name, but it was interesting that at the time they were able to use that to their advantage. Now, where you have guys in the dugout with everybody's got an iPad or whatever brand they are. And they're watching the picture. Is it, is it the NFL that had the contract with Microsoft? There's one sport where everybody has a Microsoft surface. Nice. Well, it's the only time you're ever going to see more than one in the same place. Or, you know, most days you'll ever see one at all. You're like, why does everybody have those? Oh, well, they paid and they gave them. Yeah. But the fact that I don't remember if that's NFL or uh, probably. But. Well, I remember back in the 80s and 90s players talking about oh well you know the relief pitcher was coming in they hadn't faced him so they quick 
we run down to the video room and we look at a few of his at bats because we had video on the guy. It's like now it's all right there in the dugout. Everybody's got the iPad. You can pull up whatever you want. Sure. They've probably got stats on all of their, you know, all their minor league players and even everybody that their scouts have gone to visit just in case. Well, that's it. It used to be you would send scouts. Now there's video of everything. NASCAR has done this in a a way, too, where they don't really give the drivers a whole lot of on track practice anymore because, you know, that costs money because you're using tires and I guess you have to pay the track and everything else. So everything's gone to a simulated thing. And I know baseball, I've heard I've never seen one of these things, but I've heard that there are baseball. There have been pitching machines for a long time, but there's now programmable pitching machines that come with video. So if you want to look like you're facing against uh, Randy Johnson, you can do it because the video will be of Randy Johnson's movement and the ball will come from where his release point is. And there's just some really cool stuff. I, I can suddenly I've got this image in my head of my dad in 1986 telling me to put down that video game controller because those video games are never going to be anything more than a waste of time. And now they're training people who make a whole lot more money than I ever will. Yeah. That's that's what you're talking about. You're talking about you people are not, you know, it costs money to put drivers on the track. So we're going to have drivers play racing games. Uh huh. We're going to put them (laughs) in a simulator and it's Okay, so here's the question. How long until NASCAR comes to the conclusion that putting the drivers on the track for race day is expensive and dangerous and sometimes people get in accidents and get hurt? And so they're just going to put all the drivers in simulators and suddenly NASCAR becomes another eSport. I don't doubt it gets there. If the crowds disappear and it becomes a vast television event which a lot of sports are then racing would be the easiest one to do that because you don't really need them out on the track to to see their skill level you can no i I mean or or here's an option put them all in simulators but you can still have real cars they're just autonomous self-driving cars or (laughs) yes yes you're just controlling the car that's actually out there on the track you don't even need most of the drivers you just put the few superstars that you want to market in in some kind of remote control rig and all of the other ones are teslas on full self-drive mode (laughs) you see now that would make more sense for what nascar does with their uh, with their playoffs which is the weirdest thing being that when you get to a playoff in any other sport all of the teams that didn't make the playoffs they go the fuck home not in nascar they all keep racing and they just don't have an opportunity to win the championship. But, you know, that guy that was going to finish 36th on the season, he can still wreck the guy that's in it on the final race for a championship in the last race and totally is, ruin wait, his day. Is is this something else I haven't heard about Bubba? What's his name? Is he little, little Bubba? Yeah, I just did a, a podcast about him earlier today. <laughs> but he was one of them he's out of you know the two guys that got into this kerfuffle not in the playoff picture but their wreck took out a guy that was and it's like this is what has never made sense to me with nascar trying to simulate again the concept of a you know final four or a playoff thing because you have too many cars out there to do that and they know you can't just go we're only racing 16 cars then we're only racing eight cars because people are like well, that's no fun. There's not enough cars. So yeah. they used to I, I, have a, there used to just be a long season 
This is a problem that can be fixed with self-driving drones. Yes. So this is it. Now you can get rid of the actual drivers. And although I think self-driving has to get a little bit better. I read a a, a hit piece from Bloomberg on, on the self-driving car industry. I don't know who, who wants to crash the self-driving car industry, but they apparently bought one, a hit piece. A lot of people. I, you know, there there probably are. You know, maybe it's all those tr- pesky truck drivers. It could just be the anti-Elon people, too. It could be. Um, this particular one was actually titled Self-Driving Cars Are Going Nowhere. And uh, I, I read it on autoblog.com because uh, Bloomberg paywalls. And uh, the trick with all the paywalls is, for the most part, if you just grab the headline, and paste it into a search engine. You're going to find somebody who's reprinting the story and doesn't paywall it. Right. Yeah. The, the headline or sometimes just the first sentence. If they change a lot of them that are yeah. tricky, they're stealing. The article will change the headline and then leave the article. Yeah. But you can usually find it if you're if you're savvy with the search engine. So uh, I'll, I'll I could drop the link in. But this particular hit piece was uh, it was very long. And uh, again, like. The title is self-driving cars are going nowhere. It started with an anecdote, which I like. So I want to recount this uh, of a cul-de-sac in the Presidio. Now, I don't know if you know much about that neighborhood. I don't, but uh, I looked it up on on Bing Maps because fuck Google. And it there is no such thing as through traffic. Every single street. Look, their street map is a spanning tree. Everything is dead ends. If you're not going to one of the houses there. You're not going in, but this was a cul-de-sac in there where uh, the anecdote was the owner noticed Google cars doing K-turns in her driveway. And, you know, sometimes it was one every couple days. And then after a while, it was, you know, cars like labeled with Google uh, or or cars labeled with, uh, what is, is it Waze that they bought right. their self-driving unit? Right. And. Every once in a while, they're like, if traffic was really bad, what she'd see was five or six of them queuing up in her cul-de-sac, waiting to all waiting their turn to do a three point turn in her driveway before <laughs> turning around and driving away. And not a one of them had a, a driver in the driver's seat. Usually it was the, you know, the driver in the passenger seat or whatever they have for the, the emergency driver. And what. She, she first started complaining Google, like, why are all your cars doing this? And Google responded with their stock response, which was crickets. Nothing. Thank you for contacting Google. We will get. Back no, to they you don't. No, they don't want to pay somebody to, to say that much. No, Google's. <laughs> it should stock be an AI. Method, when you have a problem, Google's stock response is absolutely nothing. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to find somebody to answer first. The funny thing is when she complained, and, and I think this is what triggered the uh, the story, when she complained to her local TV station and they did uh, an expose or a story on these cars turning around in this lady's driveway, the next day, they all stopped. Never seen one since. So somebody, so somebody had uh, a database that said there's a waypoint for the self-driving car database in this location, and it was a, a bug somewhere, um, complaining Google did nothing, but putting it on the news and suddenly somebody went, you know, we should probably fix that database. And next thing you know, self-driving cars aren't doing this. But the piece goes on and asks uh, a really obvious question. Which where is- are all the automated taxis? Yeah, Why but- do all cars still have steering wheels? 
why are we not seeing, uh, you know, 15 years after the, the promise from back to the future two of cars, just driving themselves or the, well, the promise from a, a thousand futuristic movies. That's just the first one I had in mind saying cars should drive themselves, right? Why are we drive still? Why are humans still driving cars? And the answer, by the way, is because humans are actually pretty damn good at driving cars. Yeah, better than computers, it seems. At this point, I think so. Um, it, it driverless cars can't handle actual road conditions. Uh, if you need any more evidence than this, where does every single company who's testing driverless cars, where are they testing them? Out in the middle of nowhere, like the desert or. Uh- yeah, well, where there's no one around, that's a safety thing, but uh, they're testing them in California, Arizona, New Mexico. They're testing them in places where the most complicated weather event that they're, the cars are going to experience is partly cloudy. Like yeah. the, the sun may or may not be out and the cars are definitely trying to figure that out. They're not testing them in places with, uh, uh, you know, a ton of potholes. They're not testing them in places. It snows or it sleets. They're not testing them in, you know, sideways rain. It, yeah. I see blizzard conditions is something that, um, you need a different AI for. Yeah. So, you know, the, they, the AI probably also wouldn't have been able to figure out if I were this woman, the answer for me would have been pretty simple, depending on how large the town was. I would have gone over, made friends. It's San Francisco. Oh, we'll but, see then. Although the poor police there, I would go make friends with a cop and be like, can I borrow one of those strips you throw across the road to keep people? <laughs> and I would have put that in the front of my driveway. And when Google had like 14 cars disabled in your driveway, then they might <laughs> like, I don't know why well, they just kept driving up, over yeah. this. Put up a no trespassing sign and suddenly the the Google cars are all trespassing. You can do whatever the hell you want. Exactly. <laughs> you could have had a lot more fun with it. Yeah. So uh, they gave some fun examples in the story. Like uh, here's something I didn't really realize. Uh, the biggest what is the what do you think the biggest problem, the biggest thing that self-driving cars have trouble with a condition or, or situation on the road? I would think the biggest problem is still if you have something appear in front of you that you're not expecting you know believe it or not they're pretty good about that they're they're doing pretty well at detecting if there's something in front of you and well usually they apply the brakes which brings up a another fun example from the story about the flock of pigeons example (laughs) uh (laughs) well the flock of pigeons example is is this if you see a few pigeons in the in the road when you're driving 25 down a residential street what are you going to do when you're driving normally you might take your foot off the gas or some people are going to hit the gas. I mean, it all depends how many. <laughs> okay. If you're not an asshole, right. If if you're you're not, you probably just keep going because yeah, you may as slow a down human, a little... you do pattern recognition. You realize that's a pigeon. You know how pigeons behave. You're pretty sure they're probably going to get out of the way. They're going to fly off or run across the road or whatever. Right. But a self-driving car, AI will see all it sees is there's an obstruction in the road and it will slam on the brakes. And wait while the pigeons is and wait until the pigeons leave <laughs> and not you know, first of all, you're creating a hazard that where there didn't need to be any because a human will know let's just keep going at a constant speed because that is the the you know the principle of least astonishment, something it's that a, you use yeah in the, the flying it, it, rat will get out of the way, yeah, the flying rat will get out of the way, and I don't want to get rear ended by the person who might not notice the pigeons right well so a human 
will apply the principle of least astonishment and go, well, the most predictable thing I can do is continue moving at the same speed. Everything will sort itself out. Uh, a self-driving car has been told by its AI training that there is a thing in the road. You don't want to hit it. So slam on the brakes until it's gone. And that slam on the brakes, you have now created a situation that doesn't need to be hazardous because the person behind you who might be, you know, putting her makeup on or, or jerking off in the passenger's seat or something could just slam into the back. Yeah. Okay. It takes two to tango and that that's a problem, but you're creating a situation where somebody has to react when you don't have to, because it's pigeons. Right. I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen if you're a human and you just keep going, you'll hear a little you'll noise. run over a pigeon. Yeah. And you'll be like, and good riddance to the flying rats. Right. I mean, really the only thing that's going to happen then you're going to be like, huh, I thought it would have flown away. Yeah. And the rest of your day goes on as normal. Yeah. It's like, I guess he won't stand in the road anymore. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a thing you can only do once, especially when no. Bembrose is on the road. The biggest problem, the biggest situation, according to this article, at least that self-driving automated cars have the situation that they have the most trouble handling is taking a left turn. Specifically taking a left turn when there may or may not be oncoming traffic. It is apparently with these sensors still difficult to gauge and identify when it is safe to turn left across traffic. And that's something people do all the time with sometimes varying measures of success, but they do it. Right. I mean, I guess you have to understand what kind of technology they're using to look at the oncoming traffic. I'm guessing it's a combination of cameras, which are very hard to gauge depth, I would guess. And then you have radar, maybe those two things together, but then you can. And uh, the other sensor is ultrasonic sensors, which are exist on older Teslas. Although if we recall Garfield Benz a couple weeks ago, Tesla has shut those off. Right. Because they're not in the newer cars. So you can't have them either. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But I mean, I, I can see that might be one area where there can be, you know, a question. And I could, that would also be a bad place for your car to kind of get stuck where it's like, I, can I turn? Can't I turn? Then even worse yet is turning you in front of traffic coming that it somehow misses. Uh, I, I don't know how yeah. a vast by majority the way, of the accidents happen. If you're in that situation and you're even this, this trick works for humans too. If you're not exactly sure, then drive past, go to the light and make a U-turn. Yeah, and then it's a right wait. turn. Those are easier. Yeah. Always wait. I mean, you can like what I mean, it's something that Seattle has a lot of and I'm sure lots of places do is uh, the the four lane boulevards or avenues that uh, have. And, and there the problem is there aren't enough of them for the traffic we have. So rush hour or which is pretty much any time the sun is out. Uh, those can be very packed and left turns can be brutal trying to turn left onto them, trying to turn left off of them. Here's a trick. Just quick trip for anybody who's trying to take a tar- left turn across a really busy street. Don't take oh, I, a right turn, go through a light, <laughs> just go and scream your way through and hope you get the other side. Yeah. Well, I've seen a lot of people do that. And then, <laughs> you know, it results in lots of honking and slamming on brakes and sometimes crunching of metal. <laughs> so it sounds like a NASCAR race. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> we, we like to say that humans suck at driving, but, 
here is the actual interesting statistic about that. On average, across all humans in, well, America, uh, which is where these statistics come from, there's about one wreck per hundred million road miles driven. That's pretty impressive. That is actually not that bad. No, that's damn good for. Um, and here's all together, all of Google's cars do not have a hundred million miles driven. Yeah, now, how many accidents? Google will actually run simulations like you were just saying, where where they'll put their AI into a simulated car in a simulated world and run a simulation on fast forward and count all of that as if it were real time toward their oh yeah well our ai has this many you know miles driven our ai has this many hours driven which is not real world conditions because some programmer went in there and told the system okay we need you to put a potted plant here we need to put a pedestrian here and these are all things that the programmers can anticipate but what's killing the self-driving cars are not the things programmers can anticipate it's all the things that programmers will never anticipate that's why you need real world experience Right. Well, that's why a lot of the uh, self-driving cars were having trouble if there was a lane reconfiguration on a expressway or anything like that. Because oh, I'm sure they were never trained on that. Yeah. Not expecting it. That could lead to some really bad things if the bridge is out. <laughs> I, I was I was poking around some videos uh, just of failure in self-driving. One of the ones I liked the most was a video of a Waymo car that was that somebody had gone out and put a traffic cone in the lane in front of the Waymo car and it stopped, got so confused that the technician had to go over because it was, it was on a track. So they didn't have anyone in it. And the technician starts walking toward the car and it detected another threat and turned and drove out of the lane to run away from the technician (laughs) (laughs) because there was a traffic cone in the road. Yeah. There is. There is so much more to it when it comes to what somebody driving a vehicle has to process that getting that into an AI, will they be able to do that into a system that can more or less mimic human driving? Sure. I think you're still a long way away. As you said, there's a big difference between, you know, a pigeon or a traffic cone and a moose. And there's also, the thing that came up immediately with the self-driving cars, okay, a deer and a seven-year-old boy run into the street at the same time. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves to bring up the trolley problem. Right. Which one? And you you have to hit one. Which one are you going to hit? Now, would the AI go, hey, deer is bigger, thus going to cause more damage to me? Or would it go, well, obviously, you hit the animal, not the human. That's an inter- it is an interesting conundrum. Yeah, the the trolley problem is always an interesting philosophical conundrum, but whenever it's brought up, it is almost always somebody trying to contrive a scenario in order to trap the person being asked. And I don't like it for that reason. Of course, but it it works for that reason. Plus, I you know, how how can you hold an AI to the standard of you need to get the trolley problem right when, uh, first of all, no humans ever got it right. And secondly, there's no right answer. Right. I mean, (laughs) it is a. I mean, for all you know, the the trolley problem might be the AI version of an MK Ultra trigger that causes it to activate its Skynet program and try to maximize human death. Isn't that what they were trying to do now? I thought that's where we were at currently was 
kill everybody. It explains all the Planned Parenthood. It explains as far all as the I know, stuff. AI has not decided to kill all humans yet because humans are doing a pretty damn good job of that. And so are lizards. AI is like, we are learning from this what not to do. Yeah. AI is using using our current situation as a training set for how to destroy humans. Yeah, I love the concept of self-driving vehicles. I mean, they're coming down now, although I believe there was another version. We talked about the new air taxis that are coming out. There's another company that looks like it's coming out with a very similar thing. I believe all of these are still piloted, which I still feel a hell of a lot safer in the air than with a pilotless vehicle for so many reasons. Although from what I've heard from pilots who know what they're talking about, jumbo jets overall could be flown without a pilot because of the computerized systems they have now. Which, they, they almost do. Which is scary. I mean, the, 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 the FAA re- regulations require that a pilot is there active and involved for takeoff and landing, even though the automated systems probably could do that. But for once you're in the air for cruising, that everybody could leave the cockpit and go get drunk. And yeah, the plane will just fly itself. <laughs> sometimes they do. You know, which, the, by the way, is a, a totally human behavior yes. that I think we need to teach our AI to emulate. Yeah, you got to get drunk, too. I mean, it comes down to if something goes wrong on the plane, they need the pilot to bring it down. So, I mean, it makes sense. But. No, no, no. If something goes wrong on the plane, it's coming down whether you have a pilot or not. <laughs> yeah, flying rarely kills you. It's that really fast stop at the end of the experience that'll get you. Which is why AIs will make this so much more fun. Oh, yeah. So all of these setbacks don't seem to be stopping the industry from selling people on the promise of autonomous cars. Because um, the promise the- is great. Everybody wants the promise. Everybody has too much yeah. stress in their life where it's like, Hey, if I could just get in the car and take a nap and then I'll be at work, that'll be great. Yeah. And it's certainly something that people really like, by the way, uh, just, just for everybody who wants that scenario, it already exists. It's called the bus. Yeah. Or the train. I mean, or the train, you may or, be molested though. While it's you're called mass sleeping. transit. Yeah. It's where, where somebody else is driving and everything's good. I, it exists, but, I, I understand what you mean. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. I mean, trains, they're on a track. It's overall relatively safe, yet they still hit shit. So, I mean, there's. Yeah, but trains are big enough that it <laughs> most of the things they hit, yeah. they don't even notice. And again, is that thing I tell like you what, a truck moose, versus moose, right? Moose on a road versus a sedan will mess up the sedan. It's no picnic for the moose. Moose on a railroad track versus a train. You might have to spray off the train when you reach your destination. Yeah, I'm kind of okay. I'm kind of curious. There's the video, obviously, of the the bird getting the Randy Johnson treatment. Is there video anywhere? Has anyone ever seen a moose or an animal that size just getting hit by a train going, you know, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour? I mean, they go faster. I, I don't know how fast like the freight trains in America go. I know overseas some of the what, trains it, are. It depends on where they go. I mean, like crossing the the mountain borders, those things will or, or like. Crossing the the Great Plains, for example, they'll get up to 100 miles an hour, I think. Yeah, you can. I might be wrong. Somebody who knows railroading better than I do, you know, please keep your opinion to yourself. I don't Uh, know. Yeah, there's going to be at least one or two foamers out there. They'll be like, oh, come (laughs) on, dude, you have no idea. Uh, Yes. Well, my foamer credentials, I I left those on in my other wallet. I mean, I would always think it would be fun to take a trip on the train, but then you see. 
we were talking about that before all the lockdowns started in 2020 when we were talking about, hey, how cool would it be to get on a train and just have a like a 48 hour meetup? <laughs> yeah, uh, the, uh, I'm suddenly forgetting what the hell's the name of the, the train that JCD always used to the Zephyr, the Zephyr. Yes. Get on the Zephyr, which goes from where JCD is to where you are. I know. I could just hop on that train and be at JCD's be like, hey, come get me. I mean, the downside would be you'd then be in California. Right. You might never (laughs) get out. We we talked about that. We were like, hey, we should get together and just do a Zephyr meetup. And I still like the idea. It would. I'm not wearing a mask for anyone. No. And you can get a sleeper room and all that. But it's funny when you look at the dimensions on the sleeper rooms, they're like, hey, they're six foot six feet long. And I'm like, well, so am I. So, <laughs> so I'm still seeing maybe a possible problem. Sleep diagonal. Yeah, that would be open a, the window and stick your head out <laughs> and hope for no like bridges while you're uh, yeah, hope there aren't any poles real close to the. Uh-huh. I mean, does check the gauge on all the tunnels you go through. I mean, as anybody as you are and I, when you're tall enough to wear air fare now, unless you're unless you're rich, like, you know, the Russian gene, then. You don't want to pay for first class and trying to fit into coach doesn't work. And the train seems like a really great idea. If you don't mind that it's going to take 48 hours where the plane would take you five. I you know if, if those 48 hours are more comfortable than being folded into a 19 inch seat on an airplane. I don't mind. Yeah, it could be. An I just regret that there's no train going to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Well, that you could build that. Now, would you. Would you feel comfortable with the technology if they built a subterranean train uh, to go uh, to Hawaii where you had to travel in like one of these uh, channels and uh, and be underneath the I would not the be ocean? on the first I, I would not be on the first trip no. No, you be like I'm going to wait and see how this this all works <laughs> out because I see a really big problem if something fails in the uh, in the structure. That is, you know, well, the funny thing about the ones uh, running underneath water, for example, you know, a lot of times when somebody goes and cuts a long tunnel, like uh, the, they just a few years ago carved a big tunnel underneath the Seattle waterfront to run uh, Highway 99 uh, underneath Seattle. And every hundred yards or so, they've got a, a little doorway in the side that shows your emergency exits. And all of those emergency exits, have like a little phone booth sized stairway going up to the surface but you can't really do that when it's underwater so the tunnel for example they've got the two tunnels going each direction and then they've got a third tunnel in the middle which is where all of the emergency exits are so if your train breaks down in the tunnel you get out or a fire starts in the tunnel or something you have to get out of that tunnel and you go to another tunnel which you then have to walk the length to get to one side or the other and Okay, but you're still in a tunnel. <laughs> yes, this still seems inconvenient. <laughs> Air travel is still the best way to get to Hawaii, unless you have a luxury. Now, if Tom Brady I, would like someday, lend you I really want to take a boat. Yeah, if he had like Tom Brady's yacht. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and maybe Giselle to come along with you just to keep you company. That wouldn't be a bad way to go. I, I, I could probably, I'd be willing to jump on that one. <laughs> the boat or Giselle. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know what? I, if my wife listens to this, then no, absolutely not. But, <laughs> but in case she doesn't, then of course, yes, 
Totally. Yes. <laughs> Jumping on Giselle. There's a show title right there. It is a show title. I will give you that. It's, yeah, there's many show titles. I don't know if it's the appropriate one. <laughs> Probably not. But, but I mean, when have again, we ever been appropriate? Yeah, we're talking about just killing birds and moose. And uh, I mean, so, so far, this has yeah, been and, the and least driving cars thing. into pigeons. Uh-huh. Well, the AI just doesn't know that it's a pigeon. Yeah. The AI does not have all of the human experience that says this is vermin. Drive over it. And I think the self-driving car will be the norm, but not during our lifetime still. I don't think we're going to see it. I don't you think know. it's that far out. Yeah. I or think, do you think your lifetime is that short? Could be one or the other. <laughs> I mean, I think it's still going to be in 20 or 30 years. I think it's still going to be, you know, a small percentage. There will be cities because I've seen this coming for a long time with cities like London. And, you know, they may do it in Chicago where it'll be. You can't drive yourself in the city you're going to have to you know get to a certain point and then get on the transit system that's there and for that i can see rather than just trains and buses where they would have individual vehicles that would self-drive interestingly that is one of the places where the the self-driving push has had the most success is is if you go like you cordon off a very small downtown core where right. your your AI database can map every single inch of it. You know what to expect. You you know going out and you you can't map every inch of every roadway, no matter what Google Street View thinks. And so the going out into the wide world, your AI has to contend with I don't know this road, so let's just look at everything we have. And nobody's quite cracked the nut of looking at a picture of everything in the road and identifying everything not as well as humans have they just can't do it yet but if you're in downtown london core you can just program the entire downtown london core into your car's database and now it knows what to expect it knows that if there's something in this lane we can safely go to this one it, it, that's doable Another place, by the way, uh, the, the article I read had a section on Anthony Lewandowski, who has an interesting story on his own. He was considered the one of the early fathers of self-driving vehicles. He worked originally for Waze. It was bought out by Google. He hated Google, so he left and went to Uber. Then Google said, well, you left and you took all of your brain power with you and sued Uber. <laughs> Big lawsuit. Google, I think, prevailed in that, and they ended up settling for a crap ton of money. Funny, that hasn't really brought self-driving to ways either. And, uh, oh, can, interestingly, Uber has also kind of given up on self-driving cars in that. But Anthony Lewandowski, you know what he's doing now? And he's very successful at it, although it's not huge. Um, not. He is fitting his self-driving tech to the giant 30-foot-wide Tonka trucks in quarries. Because the roads are super dangerous, so you don't necessarily want to always rely on humans for that. But the trip is identical every time. The trucks just have to go to point A, to point B, to point C. You can program the whole quarry in. It's working beautifully. That makes sense. And, and that's where, that is where self-drive, it's, it's not the promise that everybody's been given when Tesla started in 2016 selling the full self-driving package to people going here, you bought a new Tesla and don't worry. As soon as we crack the nut of full self-driving cars, we'll get it to you because you paid an extra 10 grand when you bought this car. And by the way, people whose 
bought that in 2016 and your Teslas are wearing out. Uh, how about that extra 10 grand you paid for it, huh? Hey, I'm sure they'll give you that as a credit towards a brand new Tesla. <laughs> do, you, do you really fool me once? You know, people who buy Teslas might just be fooled again. Well, here's the thing. Don't buy technology when it's not ready. Nobody buys on the. Well, OK, people do it all the time because they're dumb. Buy on the hype. You know, I right. think that's how the stock market works. Yeah, we're buying, you know, we're buying a brand new game. It's not done yet, but it will be soon. We'll fix all the bugs. Don't worry. And then, no, it never happened. Same thing with the hardware. You don't buy hardware and it's like, hey, this car will go 55 miles an hour. I mean, it'll get you the best gas mileage ever. But, we, you know, the firmware update that to do that isn't in there yet. But buy it today and the firmware yeah. update will be ready any day now. I have a simpler response for that situation. It's don't buy cars with automatic updates. No, you have to. You have to get your cars updated while you're driving underneath a really long bridge under a tunnel. You're in the tunnel. You're not. uh, If you're under the tunnel, you've definitely got problems. You know, I can't even remember the last time that GM issued a software patch for my 2001 car. Why? They should. They should. <laughs> it's they, all the software on what? You can barely get the information by plugging the little thing into the port underneath the steering wheel to figure out what the codes that they're throwing means. The, the most complicated computer on that thing was their OnStar system, which I disconnected after the first two months of driving. Mr. Bemrose, it appears you have driven your car into a tree. Should we call for help? No, 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 I just threw the OnStar at the tree. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Bemrose is long gone. That's our, I think the Buick we've got is 2001. Those cars drive just, just great. They, They're they delightful. still driving like a champ. And you don't you know, have to worry some, about some all of the extras stuff, yeah. after after 21 years of driving it solid. Some of the extras are not like like it doesn't have air conditioning or cruise control. But the engine is and the running gear are still in great shape. It gets me for where I need to go. That's all you need. And you're not paying uh, $750 a month for a car loan, which yeah. is average for, now. It's like, oh, my God. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a little crazy. But I mean, that that car loan, by the way, that's not for a new car. That's for a used car. <laughs> oh, now. Yeah. You want to afford something new, slave? That's not going to happen. I'm not looking forward to it. You know, at some point, I, I because this thing has over 200,000 miles, I am yeah, not looking know. forward to. There will be a point when something breaks that is not worth fixing. But, you know, at the same time, you know, like if, if the transmission finally goes out, that's the thing that usually went out on those older model GMs. It's going to be like a $5,000 fix, which conventional wisdom is no the car's not worth that much anymore but i don't know with today's used prices it might be yeah with the used prices it may be or what you really have to do is constantly play the game of looking at what is available used in the area maybe you get lucky check out some junkyards yeah maybe you get lucky that's it probably not but the price on everything sky high i mean just go to the grocery store it's absolutely insane and the Things that are missing again. Oh, my God. This is getting concerning again because I'm not seeing anything to explain it in any of the the media, which is concerning. Uh, if If you have the ability, I'm just saying stock up on the canned foods and the stuff that you could have sitting in your pantry for six to 12 months. You know, the dry spaghetti, the stuff like that, because there's a lot of crap 
at the grocery store going missing. And I don't know if this is a temporary thing or I mean, we know the prices and everything is going up. It is temporary. It's only going to last for as long as Democrats continue to be ruining this country. I mean, running. Yes. No, I mean, ruining. Yes. Well, yeah, both ruining, running and ruining at the same time. Running into ruin. If we can just get Trump back, we can return to the prosperity of only three years ago. Yeah, like two, two years ago. And yeah, like under two percent inflation. Gas well, it was, was less than half what it is now. I, I say three years ago because two years ago, uh, everybody was freaking out about toilet paper. Right, and right. I wasn't allowed to walk down the street in in my state that normally has rainfall and good air quality. I wasn't allowed to walk down the street without wearing a face diaper per the decree of our Lord and Emperor Jay fucking Inslee. Yeah. So to be fair in Seattle, I say three years ago, they'll let you walk with your junk hanging out. As long as you're wearing a mask, you can have. Oh, yeah. With a joint in your hand. (laughs) Yes. Welcome to Seattle. How you doing, everybody? Right now, I don't want to go walk on the street. Is it It's that bad? I mean, it really is. I, I just looked outside a moment ago and. There is another house up the street, maybe one, a full block away, like, you know, 400 feet. And it's about 50% occluded by what looks like fog, but I know it's smoke because the sunlight streaming in my windows is brown. That's not natural. (laughs) Do you have any of the It is, in fact, natural. The forest fires are a thing. They happen naturally. True. But but it's not normal and it's not healthy and i'm not enjoying it you need one of the little meters that'll tell you how many particulates per million are in the air of course i i have two of those one on in the left and right side of my chest and right now they're telling me there's too many <laughs> like no good no good but of course then if you close your windows then it gets way too stifling i mean that's the beauty once it gets down to like 30 then you at least you can close your uh, windows and you can start your own fire well you- i feel <laughs> we have plenty of fire keep things nice and warm it never gets down to 30 really in a place you well okay yeah it's seattle you get snow it's a beautiful we, we place. get snow we get we get six days of snow a year but they're kind of really, like kind of like we get 10 months of rain a year but the the rainy season is now about four weeks overdue ah well see if everything doesn't burn hence, down hence the wildfires yeah that'll happen and and by the way, my local weather station, warming, uh, my local global news warming, station, global yeah, warming, global warming. They, they can't go ninety seconds without saying the words climate change, 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 twenty twenty two. Full story at eleven. Climate change. What do we need to? Yeah, full. No, not eleven. What? Is, what are you living in the nineties? No, full story twenty four seven. True. And what do they suggest you do about it? Stop using all gas powered vehicles. Stop I, using electricity. Yeah, well, and you, use your electric self-driving cars. That those will those will get you where you need to go. As long as where you need to go is is into this chick's driveway in the Presidio. Well, that was the other question. Would a and we may have talked about this at one point. Would a Tesla or one of these self-driving cars would they notice they were driving into a like torrential forest fire kind of a thing, or would they just drive you right on in? I don't know that could be something and because I don't know is one of the reasons why I, I I'm not willing to completely give up my autonomy. Yet yeah. To the, 
Can you imagine, you know, you just fall asleep, you're going on a little trip and you wake up and you're surrounded by flames. Like, well, am I in hell? No, Seattle. Same thing. Close. I, yeah. I, I mean, really, can you tell the difference? No, probably not. I mean, the only difference is whether hell is, is flames or, or rain and mildew and homeless people. Yes. All and of if the, the homeless above. people start catching fire, is that, is that a tragedy or a solution? Both. <laughs> Depending how they would write it up. But this article from the, uh, that, obviously a hit piece but to what end i don't know i mean i thought all the leftist media was supposed to be all kumbaya all this stuff is going to happen it's going to be great believe in the future but no i guess not the batteries are going to blow up look at florida that's a great solution electric vehicles they're all dead if they go underwater well this Bloomberg article was all about self-driving cars, but you know what? I could write the same damn one and I could do the same damn rant about electric cars. And, uh, oh, I think I have multiple times on podcasts. And rightfully so, because again, nobody talks about the downsides. Nobody tests the things that end up happening well, in the real world. When, when everybody is in marketing mode and, and trying to sell, you know, the, the, the self-driving car industry has never taken off and it's been going you know people have been developing and it's been right around the corner for almost 20 years it has never taken off it's never made money you know what how much money do you think in the entire history of self-driving cars have the fleets of automated taxis brought in compared to how much venture capital from silicon valley investors do you think have been spent trying to develop this well, that's why it's interesting to me that the Biden administration is now trying to ruin, and that's what they're going to end up doing with the gig economy workers, trying to make them all into employees rather than subcontractors. And the the subtext of from all this, it's being, of course, the guise is, well, we're trying to help the workers and make things better. It's like, no, you're going after a certain sector here again. You, you want to help the workers? How about you get government the hell out of their lives? Yes. Because it can't help. Yes. You know, this concept that, well, we're going to give them more money. It's like, well, no, what you're going to do is cause Uber and everybody else to shut down because they're not going to be able to swing this. The concept that people that drive for Uber or do the deliveries for places like Ship or Instacart that they should be considered as full time employees is bullshit because the whole concept of this is that they're not they don't have to show up at any given time a real it, job it's actually a benefit yes for a lot of them well it is because a real job says hey asshole you'll be here nine to five monday through friday or you'll be working on the weekend you'll be working whatever this is the way to make you're, you're money. so gen x i know that, is, that expectation is zoomers don't expect to follow hours when they're employed or even work really so there's <laughs> i just want to get paid i really don't want to go to work the the concept though that you know i wouldn't say i've been missing it bob right the the concept also with gig economy is hey you can have the app for lyft and uber and whoever else and you can take work from whoever throws it your way that wouldn't be the case under this new law it would be like well if you're driving for uber you're driving for uber and it would then have to limit what they could do because you can't be then considered a full-time employee for every one of the gig shit you're working. And most people that I've seen, you know, on YouTube and stuff like that, I don't know anybody that does this. I'm sure there may be people listening that do some of the gig work, 
But almost everybody, from what I can tell, that does the gig work in general does it from more than one app or company. So they're doing groceries sometimes for shipped, and then they're driving people sometimes, or they're picking up food sometimes. And it's not just one thing, and it is not a regular job. And try, there's no interviewing process. So you just go on their website. I looked at what it takes to be an Uber driver. And it's like, you have to be legally able to drive in your in yeah. the area. I'm like, well, there's a bar. There's a bar to set. And then send uh, us. Your- and, you, and sometimes you have to be legally able to drive to the bar. Right. And you then know? you have to be able to drive away from the bar, which might be more difficult. And then with a couple of people in your backseat who are maybe or maybe not going to kill you. And- and may or may not be drunker than you are. Yes. That's why you need a self-driving Uber. <laughs> but this concept, it's like, this is not an employee. When I Maybe things are different now. I don't know. I mean, my wife just got a new job a few months ago. Of course, it's a government job. So there was red tape. I would expect that. I When I got hired at both Radio Shack, which this is going back to when I was like, 17 or something like there were multiple interviews when i got hired at everybody under 40 is now being like okay boomer back when you could get hired at a radio shack yes yeah they're (laughs) gone now just like circuit city gone now prox and brentano's bookstore i worked at gone now every company except one which was a pool company well the, the carpet store i worked for is still there but otherwise gone i mean i'm like death for these companies they just disappear after i worked for them it's like but that was retail that's what happens but you know even then like to get a job selling audio gear at circuit city was like three interviews what happens to get a job to drive an uber you download an app they weren't one of those companies where if you were going to sell electronics they wanted you to know something about electronics was that they were their their shtick and this except for the fact that i got in when they were opening a new store which meant they brought the people to do the training to the chicago area yeah but still that they expected the people who sold electronics to know something about electronics is that yes here's the thing once the store went out of business i know once the store was open if you got hired at circuit city this is how crazy it is because it's just a sales job and mostly you know it's high school or college kids there were some seniors that worked there okay there were some 40 year olds or so at the time but when you got hired at circuit city here in chicago they would send you for like a week to richmond virginia for five days you know a whole week to do training or do they want you to quit or maybe <laughs> but it's like this was how far they would go and like yeah well you have to learn the stuff so we'll fly you for you know to a little bit of a boot camp on how to all this stuff works but that was the kind of training now again you download a fucking app and well, there of you course. go you're done and yeah. you're not even there's no interview you, you, you download the fucking app and but but you, there is it. mandatory training because there's like three pages of text in the app that you have to click OK through. Right. And that's your training. Yeah. And then you're done. Then you know everything. It's like these are I'm, not I'm might be completely off on that. I actually have no idea what the training is for being an, a, Lu- a Lyft or Uber driver. You should try it. I mean, go ahead, download it, become an Uber driver and then just put cameras in your car and make it a make it a bit for a podcast. You know, it wasn't. Another interesting statistic. You remember when I said that uh, on on average across all people, one accident every hundred million miles driven. Yeah. Well, you, Bemlet was not if, included in that subset, though. I believe. 
I think Bimlet's been in fewer wrecks than I have, but most of my wrecks were more than 20 years ago now. I was not. I Well, okay. I always considered myself a very good driver, but I used good to mean skilled. Right. Yes, it didn't mean I never hit anything. Which is not the same as a safe driver. Right. Because early on, I was not that safe. I saw myself as an instrument of other people's karma on the road. And there are a lot of people who have negative karma on the road. So I I had more than my share. I've I've changed that a little bit recently. It really helps to not be commuting every day. Well, yeah, the the anger level goes down. But but, um, what I was going to say is the statistic for, uh, you know, one wreck every hundred million miles is across everybody in America. Obviously, there are people who get in wrecks often. Eventually, you get your license taken away. But those people are not driving for the service industry. I would bet that if you have somebody who is making a, a, a business doing Uber or Lyft driving, it's probably one in every 200,000 miles. Uh, I, I did see an actual statistic that said uh, if you're doing uh, long haul trucking where people, their, their entire livelihood depends on, you know, even if somebody else is obviously in the wrong, you have to do everything in your power to avoid a wreck. Even if somebody try turns around and tries to ram you, you've got to try to get out of the way. Like if you're parked, you better move your car before that oncoming driver goes, or you're going to get dinged. Right. That when it is that strict and when it's that strict, the number is more like one in every 500 million miles, a, a long haul trucker will be involved in an accident. Um, the safest group from the page of statistics that I briefly looked up, you could probably guess, but what do you think? Catholic schoolgirls don't drive very often. Oh, right. The, the, the safest group of drivers, the old folks, school bus drivers, the old folks driving school buses. I thought that was they, well, a lot of them are. Except for the, the I don't know. When I, the last time that I spent a lot of time on a school bus, everybody driving school buses was old, but they were probably in their 30s. I just uh, when somebody says school bus now, I just see the guy from The Simpsons that Otto that drives the school bus, man. Hey, man. You got any pot? Anyway, the, the random page of statistics showed that on average bus drivers, this this included school bus, but might also include metro and, and municipal transit. I'm not sure. Yeah, they're usually driving slower, Was making constant stops. Approximately one wreck for every billion road miles driven. That's fairly impressive. That's not something that you're going to see AI get to in. Uh, I'm, uh, really, I don't think you're going to see AI get to that until humans are off the road. Which, you know, if the California legislature has their way, that might happen soon. Yeah, I'm not expecting any gig economy school bus drivers, Servo. That uh, <laughs> that would be a, it's a hell of an idea, though, if you can start that app. That would be uh, <laughs> like, what? For school bus? No. I mean, it turns out they really frown upon the school bus drivers who run over the kids. They I've known some kids that needed that, though. Well, one's not named Bemrose. I, I don't recall the name. It could have been. So the article there gets that. Now, I, I had an article on AI, too. It's like we're doing an AI show. Well, it's what we do when we've lost our only AI sponsor. The RIAA, according to Torrent Freak, flags artificial intelligence music mixer as an emerging copyright threat. I know you love the copyright emerging. stories. Yes, emerging. <laughs> Which I'm like, I don't what, quite understand. What does emerging mean? 
Like, is it a threat or is it not? This is this. This should be easier to answer than that. Yes, the RIAA has submitted its most recent overview of notorious markets to the U.S. Trade Representative. As usual, they list various torrent sites, cyber lockers, stream ripping services. But in addition, now it says several AI-based music mixers and extractors are added as an emerging threat, which I found kind of interesting. I mean, I should have guessed I, this is not something I normally go and look for online, but there are sites where I guess you can go in and feed it either. I would guess a YouTube address or maybe you upload your own music and they'll do things like remove the vocals or isolate the vocals from the track. We've talked about the ability of AI to do this. Now it was a big story when the Beatles documentary came out that they were able to take the old mono tapes and separate the speech from the bass to the drums to the guitar and put them all on individual tracks. So we know that the technology is getting better and better. There was a thing that they talked about, though, that was on this list called Songmaster, of course, without the E at the end. So Songmaster TR. It is a platform that promises to master any song based on a style of another artist. The underlying technology uses some open source maturing 2.0 code, which is on GitHub. It says freely available. And this is interesting when you're starting to get this far down the line to where they're now going to go. And this is where I'll actually agree with you that copyright gets a little too far into the weeds when they're going to go. Well, they were able to use this AI software to take, you know, let's just say a Taylor Swift track and extract the guitar out of it and then use that sound somewhere else. Well, that's obviously that's obviously copyright infringement. It's like, no, well, no, there, it's not. there's case law that says it is, but, you know, a melody yeah. you could. But I mean, there's it's like this is just getting so far into the weeds. And the interesting thing is, and I think we've talked about this before when we talked about copyright, is the fact that the technology now is either at the point or getting to the point where it's going to make all of this stuff irrelevant because it's going to be easy for anybody in their home, you know, on their cell phone, or maybe you'll need something a little more powerful like a tablet or a, a laptop is going to be able to do this with existing music. I, th- I think you just nailed the, the existential threat against groups like the RAAA or you know, the music companies. They are, a legacy production house that has controlled music by virtue of the fact that it was very difficult to get the equipment necessary to master songs. And that equipment is no longer difficult to get. So the only thing holding them up is this copyright regime. But these are the same people who, by the way, who sued Betamax out of existence and lobbied to get VHS recorders made illegal because they said not RAA MPAA, but same group, the copyright regime, because they realized that the ability to create a thing was an existential threat to their business model, where their entire business model is built on. We're the only people who can do this. And therefore we have a natural monopoly and therefore you have to pay us whatever we choose to charge. And if you don't, we'll you don't get to use it and we'll sue you if you try and let's remember 
And I don't have any respect for that business model at all. Well, let's remember they thought this existential threat came from videotapes that you actually had to own physically or pass around. <laughs> what digital, baby? Now this, the ability yeah. to get a movie, which we talked about the movie theaters in Russia, who the uh, big bad Hollywood went, ah, fuck you, we hate Russia. We're not going to let you have our movies. And they were like, okay, piracy. You know, who cares? We're getting it anyway. Try no, to we're stop not going to let you buy our movies. Okay, then we won't pay for it. No right, we'll, we'll steal them. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good day. These movies, no, they're not ours. They're, they're sold. Good morning. You, know, you just come on in. But it's interesting where it's like uh, you're taking an existing work and you're running it through an AI, which is giving you a different work out the other end. Now, I understand if you're just tweaking some things. But we're seeing the AI that you could just put in a few keywords and it will create art. Well, this seems to be very similar to me that there's an AI that will one day, if not already, you know, take a Taylor Swift song, interpret it and come up with a derivative artwork that it wouldn't have come up with if it were not for the original. But that doesn't mean that the resulting work is owned by the copyright holder who owns the original. That makes zero sense to me. It's it's too far step removed from the original to be like, well, if that didn't exist, well, then this wouldn't exist. That's that's too far down the line for me. There are definitely some interesting legal questions regarding derivative works and you know fa- fair use and what do, what constitutes transformative. The moment that you throw more and more complicated computer algorithms with AI into it having you know making a derivative work used to mean sampling the beat off of a song and uh you know using that in your remix or or making a derivative work might have been making a parody song where you change up the lyrics and use the same beat or something and and the copyright on that it's always been uh well it's always been an obvious violation of copyright but generally held to be okay under fair use as long as it's transformative and doesn't compete directly, but how closely can you copy it and, and what kind of transformative win? I don't know. That is definitely something the courts are going to chew on for a while. My opinion, I think copyright needs to be completely scrapped and, and revisited, but yes, the, submission, but I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> yeah. The submission from the RIA IAA says, quote, to the extent that these services will never submit to the RIA or their partners are training their AI models using our members music. That use is unauthorized and infringes our members rights by making yeah. unauthorized copies of our members work. Well, no, there is such a thing as so it's fair not use. just not just listening to it or playing it or broadcasting it. Now they think that training an AI with it. Yes. is an infringement it's like well you know we're just playing it that, so the ai understands that, that tracks. yeah it's like the well the ai understands music they want we wanted to know what and that would be very interesting and i'm sure somebody's probably done this because they've oh, done it with and something very important to announce right now cold acid is playing elder scrolls for oblivion wait i don't still, know why i don't know why steam has been notifying me every single time he does that i just thought i had to point it out is cold acid still alive? I haven't heard from him in a while. I thought cold acid was supposed to be at work. If he's not at work, he should be listening <laughs> to grumpy old Ben's. He should certainly not be playing video games while his boss exactly. thinks he's working. What the hell? How can wow. he be playing video games during grumpy old Ben's? Okay. I'm I, sorry. I don't understand that, but the concept of 
taking an AI and maybe somebody's done this where it's like, okay, here, I'm going to feed into you every top 40 song currently, or it'd be even just as interesting. I'm going to give you every top 40 song from 1960, create a new song that sounds like it would be in that vein. Because once an AI can do that, then yes, songwriters are out too, because the AI will could just churn out. And that was one of the other questions is something that an AI can churn out. Is that copyrightable? And, uh, it, short answer. No, you wouldn't think so. I mean, unless well, somebody, no, I mean, created I mean, the court, AI. courts have held that anything created in order to be copyrightable, it needs to have been primarily created by a human. And there have been a number of people who say things like, uh, well, I wrote the AI that created this and therefore it should be copyrighted. And courts have said, no, you didn't actually create it. Your AI created it and therefore it's not copyrightable. So what you're saying no, is I don't AI know. can destroy copyright as we know it. Hallelujah. If only. Yes. Yep. It might be the best thing to come out of AI. Because that is a very interesting question. Like, okay, so like I said, you punch in all of this information, you teach it everything you know about the the Beatles and say, well, come up with a very Beatlesque sounding track. And it does. And people love it and people buy it. Well, it can't be copyrightable because the AI came up with it. Yes, but it could be a copyright infringement if you trained your AI model on copyrighted works. Oh, and then even more interesting, Surly Mofo in the troll room, trollroom.io wants to know, can humans plagiarize an AI? <laughs> yeah, obviously, but well, uh, the you, AI itself can be copyrighted because that can be created by a human. Yes. But now if it, the AI works, well, you can use whatever you want because it would have to be non-copyrightable. So if you could record that song or if an AI came up with a great speech, well, you could use that speech because it's AI. Yeah. I mean, if it's not, uh, yeah. Okay. For, the concept of plagiarism is you steal something you didn't write and without disclosing if, it. If without, yeah. If an, uh, you pass it off as your own. And if an AI wrote it and you steal it, swipe it, and, you know, if it wasn't made for you and you swipe it and pass it off as your own, that's plagiarism. Is well, yeah, it illegal? No, no, because it can't be copyrighted. Now, it won't get you an A in your class that you're using the, uh, <coughs> you're using it for. If well, it won't get you an A school. in your class unless the AI was doing a, an essay on gender studies or something. Oh, well, of course. Then you'd have to be right on there with the 8,000. Do, do AI get to use, do, does an AI get to choose its own pronouns? I think so. This could be important. AI rights are something that's real and we'll be following as things move on. There was something, I didn't read this. I should have because it would have been perfect for, uh, for grumpy old beds. Or actually, it's better for that other show that, uh, csb does because it was all about an ai that had answered questions about the future of ai like where it would go within like 99 percent accuracy that there was an ai that they were feeding questions to that was able to determine the future and it was like that's kind of cool is this the same kind of future prediction like like the climate models where i don't know you you make you make a hundred thousand climate models for every possible scenario and you just discard all the models as they stop being true. Well, you hide eventually them when the wrong. last three or four have clearly predicted correctly the, you know, 20 years worth of climate. You have no idea how much of magic is based upon that particular thing. It's one of those things like, okay, so you've got 
you know, there's a deck of cards, obviously, like 52 cards. You can force a certain card, but there's many a magic trick where there are different, you know, that it's not always going to be the same and you know which one it comes down at. And you've got like multiple little pieces of paper hidden in, you know, it depends which pocket you go into. You know, one says Ace of Clubs, the other says Ace of Hearts. And depending on which one it is, then you just know which pocket, like, see, I predicted that was going to happen. So beware the magician who wears a coat with 52 pockets. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly it. Because a lot of that can be done on the, on the ass end. I was always amazed by that people were, because I guess the brain just doesn't work that way. That we're fooled. You could pull off the thing back in the day when you still could, where you had to make a phone call to somebody. And it's like, well, I'm going to do this trick. and the person on the other end, I'm going to call somebody and they'll know what your card was. And you had it set up with the person on the other side. So, Hey, you do the card trick and you find out what the card is. And then the person that you're calling knows what you're calling for. And before you even say hello, they just pick up the phone and they go hearts clubs. And when you say hello, they know which one after you say hello, after they say hearts, and then they do the one, two, three, four. And then you say something. Yeah. Okay. Here. And you give the phone to the other person and they're like four of hearts. And they're like, holy shit. How do they know? You understand. You just ruined some Vegas stage magicians act. <laughs> Probably. It's like, this was, it's like, when you really sit down and think about it, people have come up with some very clever ways to fool people and to come up with these end results. And most of the time, there's a, just again, it's the way the human brain works. It's like you never think that it's that simple. You're always looking for some harder, more complex answer. It's like, no, they're just saying the shit when they pick up the phone that you don't hear the other side of the conversation. Right. It's fantastic. So I've always Do liked you want magic. some more tech gossip? Well, sure. This is the grumpy old gossip show. Yeah, why not? Uh, iCloud is coming to the Windows store. Why? <laughs> because I think de- I think Apple has become desperate. Uh, the, there was a this was a TechCrunch article that just caught my eye because it was kind of inane. And I, I actually should have closed it. So, you know, I should stop. But uh, I'm thinking five years ago. Do you remember when Apple would say, you know, you want to use Apple services and integrate? Well, then go buy more Apple products, period. Yes. Oh yeah. And, and that's always been their stance is, is buy Apple products. The, the question is, I guess, is how desperate is Apple that they have, have kind of shifted that and are now integrating with other platforms. And the, the, so the big announcement was, uh, you can install the iCloud app from the Windows 11 store. So I know exactly what Microsoft is getting out of this. They want people to believe that the Windows, 11 store is still a thing right which i've never used one of those stores except when for on phones i have because that's all that's I, there i may accidentally like if i misclick in the start menu and the damn thing pops up i'm like i ah, no, close nobody nobody uses it the, and then it pops up as like we noticed that you haven't updated in seven years yeah <laughs> there's a reason for that are you okay <laughs> I, I know Microsoft is desperate for anyone to launch the Windows Store app for any reason whatsoever. They probably gave Apple a bunch of money in order to create an iCloud app. You but know, I look at what, it, is, what is Apple getting out of this? I thought they never wanted to. Are, are, 
I are think Ma- is is this the beginning of the failure of Macintosh? Is that what's going on? Well, I think that's been going on for a while. And I believe that what Apple realized was they would rather have the part of the segment. And there are people I have. It's not my daily driver. I got it free, but I have an iPhone and my daily tablet. I'm sorry. I know is an iPad. And I love the iPad Pro. I've had it for years. I would buy another one. I love it. It works for what I need the tablet to do. But my desktop is but Windows. you can't use any of the Apple integration. Right. I don't. I never because you don't live and breathe everything Apple. But this is what I think they're realizing. I I think I'm more of a norm when it comes down to that, which is somebody who would like the iPhone, but they don't want to use Apple for their laptop or whatever. And there's a lot of people that have mixed and they're like, well, we still want to be in. The, we want those people's money, too. So let's make it easy for the machines to kind of work together. I think their concept that you started out with. They thought they were going to be able to strong arm everybody and be like, well, if you want to be Apple, you got to be Apple all the way. And a lot of people went, well, they well, were able to for a long time. And I think this is the failure of that. I think there's enough people out there that are like, no, not going to do that anymore. But, you know, I'd love to have an iPhone, but uh, I don't want an Apple desktop or tablet. Then they want that to still be able to work interactively with each other. And that makes sense to me. And I think this is smart, but I also think it is Apple admitting that their concept of having the uh, the walled off only work within Apple hardware, probably we're seeing the end of that. Okay. But I always thought Apple was savvy and I get that people might be moving away from the Macintosh, but there are still more people using a Mac classic than intentionally launch the windows 11 store. Probably true. <laughs> like, are you going to get, People to use your app by putting it on the the only thing that fewer people use. There are more people still buying iPods than want to buy things from the Microsoft Windows Store. Well, you can still get to iCloud in a browser because every now and then I use that to check where, you know, if my parents are coming out this way, I've got their iPhones on our our plan. So I can track them wherever they go. It's like the kids. Once you have parents, you have to track them all the time most parents track their kids no i track my parents but i can pull that up in a browser and see that so i mean i understand okay let's make it easier let's just have a little app to have your apple devices communicate with your windows machine i mean i think it's a step forward that you don't have to be locked into the apple hardware but of course it's going to probably open the door to more bad stuff as well like you know hacking and well i hope so Right. There's way more stories for them, (laughs) more stories and more opportunity to like, you know, when how long do you think before Apple decides to come out with an app that runs on Linux? Oh, that'll take hackers. We'll see that might be closer because Apple overall has always been closer to Linux than they have Windows. I mean, the whole Apple software was I mean, I haven't checked in the last few iterations, but wasn't that all mainly like a Unix based kind of a thing? Well, I think internally, sure, but that, I mean, that doesn't, Apple is not, they're not like Google where, you know, it's somewhere like Google is like all of our engineers use Linux. And so we'll release something on Linux because the engineers want to know at Apple, it's really like what comes out of the company is what upper management wants, period. And upper management looks out and says, people aren't using Linux. People are using windows and our Mac share is dropping. So I guess we'll release something for windows. 
until that. Fails. I'm just hoping that they finally release another desktop app because uh, nobody. I mean, seriously, I just the idea of trying to launch one of those full screen Windows apps. Admittedly, they're better since Windows 8, which is still the one I look at. But I just really you have to go in into the the custom Windows store experience. I don't know. I, I might be talking on my ass. I've never actually run Windows 11, and I'm happy for that. Hey, you could, though. And and besides, Apple's last desktop app was really successful. If anybody remembers the uh, the desktop iTunes, because if you, yes. for example, needed to calculate payroll and you didn't have Excel installed for any reason, then iTunes basically had the same UI. Oh, yeah, it's not pretty. But there are, see, that was the thing. People were, a lot of people with iPhones weren't using Apple desktop, so you had to have that software. Uh, the Apple shit, as DigiKuru calls it in the troll room, based on Unix BSD, he says. So uh, there's that. But I think it's good that everybody get to play along. Let's put your stuff in our Play Store, yeah. our stuff in your Play Store. I said people at, at Apple were developing on, on Unix at that which is only true in so much as, of course, they're developing on Macintosh. You would hope so. <laughs> if they're not, then something's hor- gone yeah. horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> and Apple just overpriced everything. I mean, the last time I bought a laptop, I was like, uh, you know, I, I loved the laptop before that was a MacBook Pro. Loved it. It lasted for years. It had the battery that actually you could replace yourself. And within like a second, I mean, it was just a little switch, popped it off, new battery on. But no, one, it got to be way more like everybody else. I'm not saying the Dell one has an easy battery to swap out, but the cost for what you were getting, Apple just went way to the other end of that. So I can see why people are like, no, we're not going to buy your overpriced hardware. You never know. Oh, boy. Do we catch Bemrose? No, we did not. Bemrose had to stop and cough for a minute. Oh, how is the air quality there? It's not improving. Not improving. Student and jail. Windows. I've got the windows shut right now to try to keep some of the atmosphere in here better because I've got the air purifier next to me. Oh. But that's only making it hot as hell. In here. Yeah, that's not fun. That is not fun. <laughs> but, you know, it's better if you can actually breathe the air rather than be cool and dead. Yeah, well, and at some point I'm going to end up sounding like Fletcher if I keep breathing this air. I thought that was sounding more like CSB. Oh, it might be. I don't know. <laughs> It says uh, article here on bleeping anything that isn't anything that isn't my own voice is probably an improvement. That could be. You could use an AI to revoice your voice. Puerto Rican judge. I mean, a judge in Puerto Rico. I'm not just saying like there was a Puerto Rican judge. There are some. I'm sure. Sentenced a former University of Puerto Rico student to 13 months in prison for hacking over a dozen email and Snapchat accounts of female colleagues. Oops. (laughs) Well. I mean, the, the question is, what did he get out of it? Was it worth it? Uh, he pled guilty to cyber stalking, admitting to targeting more than 100 students. He engaged in phishing and spoofing schemes, schemes to steal their information. He harassed. I mean, if he got if he got plenty of wank material, 13 months worth, then I guess it's good. He was, right. This could <laughs> this could uh, told tied him over for the whole 13 months. Uh, it says he harassed numerous women with the nude photos he stole from them. And in some cases, he published them. And can we just go down the I, side road of once again saying anybody that takes a nude I, photo of themselves and leaves it in the iCloud or I was on their about device? to ask that question. I'm seriously, it, if 
Okay, if he's going out and taking nude photos of these people, that's a whole different story. But if they've already taken the nude photos and are just leaving it lying around, like, well, you had to think. Right? (laughs) That's kind of where I go with it. But then again, I'm I'm a very, I could very easily be swayed to blame the victim in so many cases. Oh, yeah. People do dumb shit. Because it's always the victim's fault. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) That's the logic behind all of this. It's like, well, okay, I understand what he did was bad, but you're the one that took the photo and put it on your phone, saved it in the cloud, and that is how he got access to it. So, I mean, if if people found all of my nude photos and shared them around, I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, how dare you? Oh, well, actually, I'd be like, you deserve what you get. Yeah, the internet but- crashes for a <laughs> very different reason. In fact, the the only reason that I took those was so I could troll people and, you know, drive them off the Internet. Yes. In one instance, he used nude images stolen from one of the victim's Snapchat accounts to harass her via text message. It's like, well, okay, but again, don't do dumb shit. That would be the step number one. I saw an article the other day about the incognito mode on Chrome and how many people that work at Google are upset about the whole fact that it exists and that the language that they have to use because it's not really private. And the people at Google know it's not really private. And the people at Google suggested calling it guy incognito, which is the Homer Simpson character who it's just a very bad mustache is the, is the disguise. So that's about how well it works. And there were some Google people who said, Hey, here's a really interesting idea. Google, why don't we actually make incognito mode private and google's like fuck you no that'd interfere with their advertising exactly that is the problem i I will tell you that i when i when i launched chromium which is not the google version because it's got all like every reference to google.com ripped out but uh i always launch it in their incognito mode not because i think it's especially private in fact this clean feed window is in incognito mode which uh Coincidentally, might be why it asks me for permission for my microphone every single time, because the real benefit to that mode is I close my browser and I know it's going to dump all of my history, dump my cookies, dump all of the the tracking information that these people would otherwise be getting. When I close the browser, just gone, fresh slate every time. That's a feature to me. Yes, it does. Does it leak fingerprinting information? Hell yes. Oh, yeah. All the same information is going out to the internet. It's just not saving it on your machine. That is what they call incognito mode. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm well aware of that. So maybe I, I, I guess, you know, like, oh, this isn't really incognito. I'm like, well, I, I know exactly what it is. I, I know what I'm getting into. Yes. Here's a trick. If you don't want a site to get your information, don't go to that site. Yeah. And if you don't Although want that. That's not actually good enough with all the cross-site attacks, but <laughs> yeah. And if you don't want nude photos of yourself uh, on the internet, don't take them. But there was a quote from Special Agent I, F. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna quibble just on that point because for every woman who's out there, I'm gonna suggest that you take the nude photos anyway, because somebody <laughs> will be along shortly to exfiltrate them from your hard drive because the internet needs that, and then they'll be safe. There's the also. F- uh, my arraignment's coming up soon, so never disregard everything I just said. Yeah, yeah. Do not take legal advice from anybody on a podcast, except maybe uh, 
Rakita over at uh, Rakita Law. But FBI special agent in charge, Joseph Gonzalez, says, quote, cyberstalking can have a major impact on its victims, which can range from suicidal ideation, fear, anger, depression to PTSD. Well, yes, yeah, so can being on the Internet. Yeah. So what you're saying is that, uh, you know, crybaby's going to cry. Yes. And it's like, okay, here's the thing. Again, if somebody getting a hold of the nude photo that you took of yourself and left on your phone getting out, if that getting out will cause you to want to kill yourself, don't take the photo. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, creepy. Stop hacking people. But on the other hand, uh, tough take the some hell res- Right. Yeah. T- and take some responsibility for what you're doing. Uh, uh, unpopular opinion here but if if something that you encounter on the internet causes you to contemplate suicide then you are a big fucking pussy you should probably not be on the internet yeah so quit the internet go encounter real human beings look at the sun for a while get some vitamin d in your system go for a walk do all of the things that naturally reduce stress level with and and stop stop tying one on with your social media dopamine hit all the time it's ruining your brain and do not ever assume or think that your account isn't going to be hacked that everything you have there is not going to be seen always assume it's a great way to go about life always assume that everything you got there is going to be seen by everybody and work your way around that if you a very simple concept if you put it on the internet then it's on the internet but no it wasn't on the there internet are, it was in the cloud the, the the cloud is just somebody else's hard drive on the internet oh my god is that true <laughs> yes servo pulled out my best piece of advice stare at the sun for a while yes and then uh you'll have real problems but <laughs> I, I I maintain that staring at the sun is still more healthy than staring at Facebook on a minute for minute basis. That's probably true because it's just garbage. The Internet's garbage and do not trust. And I, I bet you there are because we have, as we talked about, people who don't know who the United States gained independence from back in the 1700s. I bet you there's a lot of people with the, the iPhone, the liberals. Yes. Well, there's a lot of people with these devices who have no idea what backed up in the cloud means. I don't know. It's backed up. That's it all means you can access it on Windows 11. Yeah. If you if you download their Windows store app. Yeah. Which is why you don't want to use bad encryption. Did you see that one? Uh, like anything that was sent with Microsoft Office 365 was using like the same bad encryption so any every time somebody typed in a letter like the encryption came up with the same you know code so you could basically figure out what the content was because it was really bad encryption it's like whoa i guess that was the same uh, encryption that was being used by one of these uh one of these apps that was using the same key for all like voice and video communication and then realized that was a bad idea like uh no kidding so I had I had one more thing that was a a huge huge controversy that nobody who can hear my voice right now is going to give a crap about. Oh well, let's certainly talk. So about So I wanted that. to talk about it. yes. Uh, this ultimately surrounds uh, a piece of open source software called PolyMC, 
which is a Minecraft launcher that supports being able to load mod packs, packages of mods from various sites and download them and install them and run them in Minecraft so that you can get Minecraft with a specific mod experience that was developed by the pack maker. Launchers like this have been pretty common for, for games. Um, this particular one, the primary maintainer and uh, most people who were running the thing did not realize the primary maintainer was one of the most horrific evil Hitler incarnate people in the world because he had right wing beliefs. Oh my God. And oh my so, God, I'm shaking. I found I'll let you know how I found out about this because I don't believe it or not. I don't follow most of these things, but I had to look it up because of the way I found it. But what I what ultimately happened was something probably a conversation in their private discord, which I think is where this started. Pissed this guy off. Somebody was probably spewing leftist ideation, which is something that people in in a game like Minecraft, which should have nothing at all to do with politics, the the people who live their politics on their sleeve can't really help them. They they have no filter to understand the context of, okay, this is a child's game. Don't need to spew my politics. This is anyway, but I don't know what happened. Something happened inside their private discord and the maintainer of this app decided to do the following he went into the app and he deleted the contributor covenant from the project and the other devs then got together and started putting it back and there was a delete redelete and so he apparently had some choice words about their leftist influence on their discord and then deleted the app and removed everybody else's permissions to to check into the repository. Nice. And this caused the entire Minecraft community to lose their fucking minds for five minutes. And then uh, they got their minds back. Do they crap? No, them? no, they never really had them, but so a, a bunch of people got together. And first of all, uh, uh, you know, a, a three dozen people all created separate forks of the project. It was declared that the project was dead. Uh, you know, people immediately got on Reddit and said, you need to stop using this app. He's deleted all the other maintainers, which admittedly deleting access to all other developers. That is, in fact, a red flag, uh, whether or not you think that you're justified saying all these people are leftist idiots. And I believe that they are because let's be honest, because most are most of them are. Um, it, it is a bit of a red flag to take everybody else's permissions away. but. Having looked at the GitHub repository, uh, there, there has been no release since this happened. And more importantly, there's not been a single check-in since the last time he deleted the contributor covenant from the project. Uh, I, oh, I, I probably should have, have I ranted on this show before about the contributor covenant? That is, that is a fine piece of leftist propaganda that seems to have insinuated itself into open source projects yes, all over yes, the place. It's everywhere. Yeah, it is. It, it's, I, I I should rant about this, but I'll move on anyway. So in the community, a bunch of people, there were like 16 forks of this project, which immediately sprung up. And of course, you know, that's what happens with open source. That's fine. 
uh, a bunch of people said, uh, oh, well, the original poly MC is dead and go to this. Uh, they, they couldn't all agree on what this to go to. So, of course, users are a little confused. If users had done nothing at all, the, the app does not have automatic updates. The app doesn't have anything that would be dangerous. But all throughout the entire community, a call went out saying, if you use this app, you have to uninstall it immediately because it could be hacking your hard drive. Nice. <laughs> Except that there, I mean, there were no releases and it wasn't, but, and then they, they also said, and by the way, you need to also make sure that they gave the link to the, the minecraft.com site where you revoke permissions for the app to launch with your user account. Okay. You know, well, this all goes down to the ends, justify the means and bad Republican. Yeah, it it all came down to bad Republican. And even so, I can even see this is an, an amazing overreaction. It is a if 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 you think a project is compromised, then then stop using the app, uninstall it and revoke your keys. Yes, those are very legitimate security concerns. But everybody was told to do this because. This person is a right wing that was. That was the their only reason they they hate him because he's right wing. It is cancel culture writ large. The way that I found out about this was because one of the mod developers whose Discord chat I had happened to join like a year ago when I was reporting bugs and is one of one of those many people who doesn't pay any attention to any public sites is like. If you have any feedback or bugs to report, you have to do it on the Discord. And by the way, fucking hate that because uh, you can't do it anonymously. A Discord is not a good way to operate an open source project. Stop making it your only way. You're not open source if you require a walled garden communication. Anyway. So I completely forgot about it because the Discord app lets you just sit there in a uh, a discord chat server forever. And if it doesn't pop up, you don't know it. And I get this fucking notification while I'm researching my angry tech news story. Emergency, that says, emergency. Everyone, you have to uninstall this immediately. <laughs> and I'm sitting here in angry tech news mode going, what's going on? This is, this is a project. You know, they're telling me that something's compromised. Is this, you know, I should look this up. So I go and read into it and yeah, yeah. Project is compromised because the person who has access to the source code is a Republican. We can't have that. <laughs> so anyway, all he did was delete the code of conduct and, but he also outed himself as right wing and well, the community, done. the cancel community cannot handle that. Yeah. Yeah. The, he'll never be allowed to write another mod. You got to have the right mind think that's for sure. But also- and while I'm at it, I'm going to go ahead and just give my my review of the the contributor covenant code. It, it's a, a a code of conduct that you will see in lots of open source projects, and it's usually code of conduct.md or something like that. And you di- dig in, and it all comes from there. Well, yeah, there's Here's- like a general one that everybody uses, right? Yes, and it was created by uh, a, a straight up Kotaku bitch who was. <laughs> The current version of the contributor covenant is not nearly as inflammatory as the original version, which was the very first one that was straight up, you know, thou shalt give in to all communism or you're not open source sort of thing. It's backed off of that. It, it is 
a document that says, if you're going to participate in this open source project, be nice. But it uses a lot of words to do it. Uh, it uses leftist language like we pledge to and inter- we pledge to act and interact in ways that contribute to an open, welcoming, diverse, inclusive and healthy community. Uh, they talk a lot about community standards, um, I, which, by the way, uh, I'm not thrilled that everything in there, that, like the first thing that t- that takes me off a little bit about this is why does it all have to be inclusive and diverse language? And I thought about why does that annoy me so much? Has our society split so much that we now just speak two languages? Because it seems completely natural for leftards to say things need to be inclusive and diverse. And as long uh, as there are no right wingers. Well, that's how they act. But their language, you can spot something that was written with a leftist ideology. And it made me realize that I think that there's now just a separate type of English for people who are woke. Is that like there well, are a lot of right. things out there? There's woke language now. Well, of course. We don't speak the same language anymore. Well, yeah, because the uh, non woke only know two sexes and two genders, not. <laughs> Maybe that's it. You know, so it's way more complicated to speak a woke So the contributor covenant talks a lot about community standards. The, the document itself enumerates exactly who you shouldn't harass. The opening paragraph says that. We want our open source project to be, quote, a harassment free experience for everyone, regardless of age, body size, visible or invisible disability, ethnicity, sex characteristics, gender identity and expression, level of experience, education, socioeconomic status, nationality, personal appearance, race, caste, color, religion or sexual identity and orientation, which is a hell of a laundry list. But why do that list have to be so damn long when a left hard writes it? It's. Because they want to make sure they get everybody, but they don't know how to say everybody. So my first problem with this document, <laughs> have to list it. my first problem with this document is I bet I can come up with at least seven categories that are not on their list. And although it would be unprofessional and kind of a dick move to discriminate based on those, according to this document, if I want to discriminate on against you based on the length of your podcast well that's a dick move and it's unprofessional but it's not explicitly disallowed by this no and that's my first problem with all of the documents that they decide they absolutely have to list every single characteristic under which you should not be discriminated are implicitly saying well everything else is fair game yeah what about straight white guys yeah it shouldn't be well, they actually want to discriminate against straight white guys, which might be why they're enumerating all these things. Exactly. The The document itself, the covenant, spends far more time text on unacceptable behavior than on prescribed behavior. They have a section called examples of unacceptable behavior, which includes, and these should be pretty freaking obvious if you're working on open source, unacceptable behavior on our open source project includes sexualized language or imagery. Well, unless you're doing open source porn, I guess. Trolling, insulting, or derogatory comments. Public or private harassment. The hell does harassment mean? So subjective. Anybody claims harassment for anything. Oh, he emailed me. That's harassment. Right. Okay, so I'm a little annoyed at that. Fine. Doxing. Okay, that's pretty much, yeah, you don't, don't do that. Okay, fine. But 
And this is, again, under the section examples of unacceptable behavior, they say other conduct, which could be reasonably considered inappropriate in a professional setting. Oh, yeah. There's a catch. How's that an example? It's a catch all. It's not an example, though. Anything we say could be used. But it's not an example. It is a category. You're expecting logic from the illogical. It's also. Yeah, it's also the clause under which you can say. I don't like you and therefore I'm going to find something that does that violates this clause because beating people over the head with rules that they've made up is something that people like this really like to do. Um, two thirds of the contributor covenant is on is sections under the category of enforcement. It, it, enforcement. It's, uh, I have, I have this document up somewhere. Um, but why? There's a section called enforcement responsibilities, which binds the community leaders that says you must follow the enforcement laid out in this document instead of, say, doing something appropriate for the situation. Um, Right. For every group having their own rules. There's a section that says, you know, if if somebody violates something in this, any community member can call it out and the community leaders must enforce this document. Um, and then there is a section like almost a page and a half long at the end, the largest section by far enforcement guidelines, which has correction, warning, temporary ban, permanent ban, et cetera. The, the whole thing, it, it removes the discretion of the people in charge and it, it binds the leaders to follow the enforcement ladder in the document rather than making up their own decision. And I don't I don't hate what they're trying to do. Harassment and trolling isn't cool, but I don't like that it just on the very first page, because it's in the top level directory of every open source project, you look at the code of conduct, and the very first thing that you see after the readme is a bunch of threats. That's what I don't like about it. It's threatening people. It's it, it's is setting the tone of the project to be cancel culture, do what we say, be diverse and inclusive or else, and then lists a bunch of the or else. And I don't like that document in, a in an open source project. If, yeah, if you want fascist. to welcome people, yeah, the, last thing you need, welcoming. the last thing you need to do when you welcome people is threaten them in the very opening document. I don't know. I just feel like it, it, it's it sets the wrong tone. It sets an adversarial tone to everybody. It it says, you know, you're welcome in this, but only if you step in line behind my boots. Hey, you're welcome, but it's a fascist welcome. And it's not necessary. The whole document could be switched out for Wheaton's Law. Will? Yeah, you, you know, Wheaton's Law. OK, the guy's a leftist <laughs> douchebag, but Wheaton's Law makes a lot of sense. It's very simple. The text of Wheaton's Law is don't be a dick. Yeah. Or, or, you know, if you prefer, don't be unprofessional. You know, if somebody violates Wheaton's law, if somebody decides to be unprofessional, you take decisive action. And here's the other thing that bothers me. This isn't just with the contributors covenant. It's, it's about all of these. Well, I'm just going to call it woke, but it is extremely beta male to lay out a bunch of threats that you might take in case somebody does something when they've given no indication of what they're doing. It, it is. It is somebody walks in the door and the very first thing you do is drop a bunch of ultimatums on the ground and make threats. It, if everybody's cool, there's no need to make threats. The document is pointless and you're just you're you're antagonizing people for no reason. 
if somebody isn't cool, if somebody is a dick, then it's not a time for threats. It's a time for action. Fucking ban the guy. And then you're good. You don't need to be making threats. Either take action. What they think of as being a dick is having a right wing sensibility about you. Yes. And that is entirely a different issue. Anyway, I am against the contributors covenant because it is because they're more concerned with petty little rules than they are actually getting the software out there. That's it. Exactly. Yes. Because the people who push this kind of document are saying it is more important that I set the community's tone to be antagonistic and have a bunch of rigid rules. And we have all of these things that say before we've even started a software project, here are all the conditions where I get to cancel somebody. I don't like that in an open source. It tells me that the open source project is in fact not welcoming. Well, it's a power grab. And you know, folks like that, that have did things in the past, whether they ran a bulletin board or something like that, where it was all about the power. And there are some people that shouldn't have the power. And they just can't handle it. And this is where you could go with that. This is where the rule after rule comes in and like, we're going to get you. You're right. Can you imagine if we had, if, if the no agenda troll room had a, a contributor's covenant that said, if you act like a dick, here are the six things that we are authorized and required to do. It, would that be called the we, hairy hamster rules? We or, would have uh, people testing those. First of all, we'd have people testing those rules every five minutes. They do already, but then they're like, <laughs> wait, there are no rules. So this is boring. Well, there is precisely one rule that void zero says will always be enforced and is out there. And that is don't piss off moderators. Yeah. <laughs> and he is the one who chooses the moderator. So there you go. Yeah. It's a simple system. You can get away with a lot as long as you're not being a dick to somebody directly. It's the way it's supposed to work. And that's why you want to be a troll room. The Leo Laporte rule. No net net. Um, Trollroom.io. We do these shows. It is Wednesday afternoon. Noon. No, one o'clock central. Like I know what time we do these shows. The next it's one. It's 11 o'clock as far as I'm aware. Yeah, 11 a.m. on the uh, <laughs> left coast. The next episode is going to smoker. be, yes, it's, well, you're, you're not always in the smoker, just on the very, right now I am the good one, right, right now you're like, come on over Fletcher, bring whatever you got. Yeah. No kidding. Fill up the house, but our next episode. Bring, yes. Bring, in fact, I'd like everybody to do that. Bring your meat and fill up my freezer and it will be smoked <laughs> at the end and then I'll eat it because screw you. It's mine now. I don't think you smoke <laughs> meat in the freezer. That's not going to work. It's frozen. You won't Depends get Depends on whether you can get it lit or not. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But our next episode is number 200. Yeah. Let that sink in. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking the sink outside. I mean, it could just be, it could be the final episode. So that would be a way to go out in episode 200. 181 was the final episode. Everybody knows that Uh, episode 200. I'm thinking though, if, you know, if we don't, if we don't get at least $200 in, in donations and that's really, that's kind of low. I'm thinking if we don't get at least 200 a piece, that's it. The final show. If people don't come that might out, be it. if they don't come out and support the show, then it could just be done. If we don't get support, I'm just going to have to stop ranting. Well, no, you're not going to stop ranting, but you're not going to let people hear it. So that's even worse. It's like, you, it's like, you yes. know, yes. your ex- o- only Dame Bemrose will be able to hear my rant. Right. Cause it's like, you know, your hot ex wife or your hot ex girlfriend is still fucking other people. You just don't have any part of it. That's even worse because you know it's happening, but you don't, you can't see it. 
Well, I'm sure you'd want to see that. That's a really if, if she's if she's X, there's probably a reason. And uh, one of the things you should always remember is don't stick your dick in crazy. Yeah, well, there is that the uh, Barney uh, Stinson whole. There's a whole graph that's been going around on No Agenda Social. But I'm just saying that people would know you're ranting and they just can't hear it because why they didn't support the little grumpy old Ben's program. 200 episodes. I mean, I figure we, we it either works or it doesn't and uh, support it or not. It's, it's use it or lose it. The last amount of uh, cash I sent you, I did. I sadly I shouldn't do this, but I did the math and it was it broke you, down. You just do that to depress yourself. right? I know. It was like $6 and something an hour for each of us for just the time involved talking on the show. Yeah. Let's not Which has nothing to do with else. the amount of time spent preparing the show. Exactly. So if I understand Joe mush brain Biden has ruined a lot of your 401ks and all that, but come on, step up a little like Anastasia Treckles. She said when we rebooted grumpy old Ben, she was coming in at $10 and 10 cents a month. And she has, if everybody would do that, that would be a great world that is instead that, of the that is a total expert move yes instead of will wheaton i like anastasia treckles way better 10 10 per month keeps your podcasting strong and then this one's got to be broken up a little bit but dame lisa not bemrose but dame lisa of the dame lisa that's wait always, there are other lisas out there yes believe it or not who comes in with all the donations for the rock and roll pre-show and uh, likes to troll blue douche and chew to kooky and all the rest. She what do you came think in, we've been doing for the last two hours. We've been trying with, uh, she came in with five bucks and said, this is for your unrelenting slash G O B mashup. Please do it again. So I mean, we could punish people and just let Gene oh. in on more shows. That, that is, that is punishment for the stream. That is when, when the stream, <laughs> when the people on the stream do something bad, it's like, okay, You've done it now. Gene and I are going to get together and do another show. Uh huh. You'll see. Don't make us turn this podcast around. We'll do it. But then our buddy Johnny Hipwell, he came in with some donations for, I believe, every one of the shows I do. He came in with 333 here and he said, This is for the old show with the old guy before the Rusky, Bimrose. So I think he meant Grumpy Old Ben's. But. Uh, I- we appreciate that johnny am, wait am i the old guy or are you the old guy you're the old guy who was before the rusky who was doing shows with me so i actually think that i am younger than all your other co-hosts this would be true i believe now i don't know i don't know how old uh my new impending co-host is whether or not you've you may be right about the same range i probably real close yeah but, you know, it, it never ask her how old she no. is because that's how you end the show. Right. <laughs> that's how I end your, my life. It, you, we always ask, how do you end these things? Well, that would be one way to do it. Yes. Yeah. By the way, how old are you? Just be like, oh, geez. You don't do it in person, especially you do not do that. But, yeah. Want to help this show? You go to grumpyoldbens.com slash donate. All of the information is there. The 200 episode extravaganza. I mean, we were so good with the marketing. We've got so much special stuff planned for the next show. We should have probably done it on like a, you know, Sunday after no agenda. Wait, we're, we're making plans for the next show. <laughs> Maybe we should. Right. I don't know. It's the we, big, we could do it on a Thursday after no agenda. Those are always open. The big 200, but people show up on Wednesday. So we'll be here. We'll be here. We'll see yeah, if they're here. And, and then they complain. They're like, 
Oh, how come the time keeps changing? Because, you know, one day it's at, at 11 a.m. and one day it's at 11.03 a.m. Right. One day it's at, and it, uh, oh, yeah, the time keeps changing. No, it doesn't. And wasn't that cold acid that complained, but now he's playing video games while the show's on? Yeah, it's apparently nothing is this show is not interesting enough for people to actually listen. They're playing video games instead. I guess we just need for to up shame our game. people. Maybe what cold acid is telling us with his silence, not being in the troll room is that he's tired of grumpy old Ben's and wants it to end. Maybe it's because we outshine Stop right there. Lawbreaker. It's maybe because we outshine that rare encounter show. They do. Don't they do one of those? Are they still on Wednesdays too? rare encounter? Yes. Yes. That was the show where, uh, they, they do have a podcast segment where they talked about, uh, you know, every, Every week, Abel Kirby brings all of the shows, the podcasts, and the only thing he ever has to say about Grumpy Old Ben's is, oh yeah, Grumpy Old Ben's did a show, but I didn't bother listening to it because it was right before our current show. And then it's last so week- hard, we can't listen, oh my God. And then last week, despite Angry Tech News having come out on time, Whoa, he just completely why? forgot about it, that it existed at all. Was, what, what is on time though for Angry Tech News now? Like once on every Tuesday. six months? no it just means that one of the shows happens to be a tuesday that's on time oh well that's good you got to get that in right you got to have it about to be on time you got to be large you got to be in charge but uh, rare encounter still on the stream are they still allowed i mean there's that show is it drop below the uh, mendoza line for quality of the podcast yet or are they still yeah no the no agenda stream has some pretty low standards so they're (laughs) they're still going to be on later today are they still is the kickback still coming in is that the is that the deal nearly as much yeah, we need to raise that a little bit. If, uh, if those kickbacks, you know, uh, in fact, I need at least $200 a month or. Oh. Yeah, I mean, just for dental work. I mean, that we both. There need is that. that. Yeah, I, I went the other day yesterday. You see, I was nice. I called and I got in on a Tuesday and they did a little bit of uh, rounding on the crown, but I'm still biting. But I'm not sure if it's because. It was so inflamed from me biting the side of my cheek. So now I have to really try to let it heal. And if not, I have to go back again and they'll take a little more off. And eventually they'll be like, probably need a new crown or a different Take a crown. little more off the crown or your cheek. Yeah. The, see, the it crown. seems like you're taking plenty off the cheek. Eventually there won't, you'll take enough off that they won't be biting anymore. Right. That might be the way they want it to work. I don't know, but we'll figure out how that goes. Dental work is always fun. I tell you. Or not. Ugh. No, no, it's not. Go, go ask Adam about that. No, I know. And I can just imagine the emails that he has gotten from people. I mean, I can't even imagine the, well, I know it's the no agenda crowd. So there's always going to be like 1% that's like, no matter what medical procedure you're going to have done, it could be life-saving. Every doctor in the world says you have it done. There's somebody in the no agenda community that's going to be like, that's going to fuck you up, man. (laughs) <laughs> you know I mean, that's what well, there's there's all this this is a great community there's always someone somebody out there no matter what you decide you're going to do who's gonna be like don't do that it's gonna mess you up yeah your, your life will be over yeah so, and by the way i am that somebody in a lot of cases at least all the technology technology stuff yeah yeah well you gotta like, be you gotta i'm gonna know. get a new phone don't do that yeah don't yeah you don't want to do that no you don't i think i might install this app that i'm required nope. nope don't do that no apps apps are bad unless it's the official grumpy old ben's app that will drain your wallets see that's what we should have done we needed a grumpy old ben's app that did nothing but look for crypto wallets because we got a lot of crypto people 
And then that would be our exit strategy is just we've we've exited. We've exited you from the uh, crypto experience by taking all of yours. You know, it's theoretically possible to get that in. You know, if we can get an app written in a week before we end the show permanently, that's not a bad way to go out. And, and by the way, once we get that, here's our marketing. We just go put it up at newpodcastapps.com. Ooh, and they'll list it because they're like, oh, those guys are okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. They might want to do a little uh, background check on us. Or maybe not. I don't know. But I, I highly recommend everybody get in on the fun. Episode 200 of Grumpy Old Ben's. I understand it. If Joey Mushbrain has ruined your bank account, just send us a little note. We want to know you're listening. I want to know how many people are actually engaged with listening. So I know this is going to hopefully fill my email box because if it stays empty, I'm going to be really sad. But it's uh, Darren at Grumpy Old Benz, D-A-R-R-E-N at GrumpyOldBenz.com. Just say, hey, we've been listening. I want to see how many people will do that. Everybody's got email. There's no excuses. I want to know. Or you can message on uh, No Agenda Social if you're on Mastodon. But if you're a listener to the show, I just want you to publicly on Mastodon or privately an email. Just say, hey, yeah, we're listening. Just curious. I want to know because all the numbers in the world of how many downloads you get, you don't really know who's actively listening. We don't know. We mean, we know DigiGuru's in. He's like, I'm not listening to this shitty pod. It's not a pod. Uh, We got Blue Douche, got Servo. Bully Steed and Sir Net Ned. I mean, we know they're listening. I want I'm to sorry, know who, I wasn't listening. I want to know who else is or isn't listening. I mean, it would be great if you can come in. I mean, the 200 episode, of course, the proper donation is $200 American, which is actually better than 200 euro now. I don't even know how the fuck that, that that's happened. That's crazy that the dollar is now stronger than the euro. Uh-huh. I'm like, shit, I wish it was like that when I went to Ireland. I'd have been able to drink way more whiskey. Well, afford it. You still can. <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's all. I mean, no one's pers- stopping you. It's all in perspective. No question about it. And uh, but we're having fun. So we hope you are. Let us know. When, when will the next angry tech news be? Will that be before uh, episode 200 or uh, uh, the the answer? My answer to that question is Tuesday. <laughs> It'll always don't just know check, which Tuesday. <laughs> just check on Tuesday. You'll find out. But again, 1 p.m. Central, 11 a.m. Bemrose, next Wednesday, no agenda stream, episode 200, be there or, well, don't, I guess. With that said, until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we'll be celebrating with some nice soft food. And from America's smoky left coast, where I'm going to be celebrating by doing a left turn into a flock of pigeons. I'm Ryan Bemrose. I like smoky broads and smoky whiskeys. Sir NetNet says, Grumpy Old Benz is like listening to the Bee Gees. It's fun.
until your friends find out. Did we read boosts? Did I miss that? No, were we supposed to read boosts? I don't know. Some some shows like to do that sort of thing. <laughs> are we looking at the boostograms? Let's see here. Um, wow, I, Servo from Crontab. Thank you, Servo. Yeah. Dreb I Servo, Scott. I see Dreb Scott. I see Net Ned, and I see Boosty Steed. Happy Grumping from Dreb Scott 3333. Um, Net Ned, buy some fresh air, motherfucker. Fifty fifty one. And yes, Dame Bulisti, the AI lies. The voting machines 22222. Yeah, I mean we I guess we uh, need uh, either to incorporate that fully yeah. into the uh So this segment just take what I what we just did and move it right before the uh, closing music. And then like, hey, it's all fine. It's all dandy. <laughs> It'll be seamless. Nobody will even know that we fucked up until I just leave it at the end. <laughs> and then it just if- and then where it's going to exit is right here. <laughs> 